Bibles to turn to Hebrews 8, and I want to pick up with something that we've been preaching on out of the book of Hebrews. We've been going through uh, chapter by chapter, which is uh, something kind of new to me because I usually don't do that, but uh, it's just something that uh, God is this year, um, I, I don't know what it's, it's just been something new for me as to uh, uh, the things that God's laid on my heart, but I know they're from Him. He started speaking to us on foundation before kind of COVID and, and, and right around the time at the beginning of the year that we were going to be shaken and that you must be, you need to be on the right foundation. And if you're not on the right foundation, that we were, I, I just had a feeling that uh, what Daniel talked about, and we're seeing it. We are seeing a people apostatize from the faith every day. Every day, every day on, on the Christian Post, you read about another big time supposed Christian falling away or denouncing or deciding they no longer want to follow Christ. We're seeing people that are just so disappointed in the God they've made that is not God, the false Christ that they've crafted in their own mind that was supposed to give them everything they wanted, never let anybody die, heal everybody, and this God they've created in their mind that's just a God for them, for self, now has uh, not been the, and the one we put in most of our churches, and now when the hard times hit and when the real God is doing what he does and what he said he was going to do in the last days. They can't recognize him and they're jumping ship. Amen. And they don't want to serve that God anymore. And it's getting really, really, really sad and difficult to see what we're seeing around us. People we've known that supposedly serve God for years and now they want to have nothing to do with God because, he, because of whatever reason. Uh, and, and it's really, really sad. All it's taken today is uh, a loved one being taken or, or, or something really difficult, a cancer that didn't get healed. And all of a sudden they've decided... I don't want to have anything to do with a God like that. And so it's really frustrating. And that's what the writer of Hebrews, that's why we started talking about foundation, because we knew we had to be on a foundation. And, and let me just say this. If you think you've seen something yet, you've seen nothing yet, folks, as to where this world is heading. Can I just tell you that? I'm not here to bring doom and gloom on you. But if you think this is as bad as it's going to get, you have seen nothing yet. Buckle up, because the years to come are going to be really, really trying years, okay? Can I tell you that? This coming year, please. And you don't want to be without Christ in your boat. You do not want to be without Christ. God spoke of these days. We want to talk about last days, and we want to all brag we're in the last days. The last days, according to Scripture, are the worst times on the face of the earth that we've ever seen in human history, okay? So why are we surprised that the last days are coming with, with, with enormous... If a man called the Antichrist is coming on the earth, and if one world economy, one world government, and one world religion that hates the God of the universe is coming on the scene, then we think it's going to be a, a, a fairy tale and we think it's going to be easy? Come on, prepare yourselves. Get, 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 but, but you've got Christ in you, and you've got Christ with you, and you've got Christ for you, and the gates of hell will never prevail against his people. Amen? Amen. You act like you halfway believe it. You know, patty caking. Come on, folks. It's a spiritual war you're in. Get battle ready. Put on the armor of God. Are you going to give up? You all act like we're just we're deflated, like we're just giving up. Are you giving up? God is in us and for us and with us. We're more than conquerors, I read in my Bible. Amen? You act like you're halfway conquerors. We're more than conquerors through Him. Amen? Man, you're a rough crowd this morning. 
I mean, really, I just feel unbelief all in this house. I mean, seriously, I feel unbelief all in this house. And Father, I come against it. I feel it from religion. I feel it from people who've been in this church all their life. I feel just a, a downcast, un, just, 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 man, God, just, I feel it. I feel like, yeah, right. Yeah, right. I feel it from supposed Christians, dear God. I pray that you would just soften the hardness of hearts that are in this place right now. God, the disappointments. God, the things that didn't go their way, God. I pray that, Lord, we get our eyes off of self. We get our eyes off of self-Christianity. God, I pray that we would get our eyes on you, God. Lord, I pray that we would get our eyes on you. We're worried about ourselves being offended, God, now. And we're constantly spewing out junk about each other, God. And the only one we never worry about offending is the God of heaven. And God, it's time that we start worrying about you and what you ask and require of us and what you desire of us and what you want, God. Because my life is not my own. I've been bought with a price, God. Lord, I'm here this morning not because of me and what I can get out of here of being here, God. I'm here because you said to assemble together. I'm here because of you today, God. I want to worship you. I want to worship with your people, God, because your word tells us to do this, God. I want to be fed today. I want to be encouraged to keep going. God, I want to be strengthened. I want to be edified, God. I want to, I want to sing. I want people to have giftings to sing beautiful songs, to sing about you and lift me up in praise and worship and adoration to the King. God, I want people to teach, God, what they've studied all week and, and share, God, about the Christ who is alive and on the throne and is coming again, God. I don't want to give up. I don't want my, my faith to be shipwrecked in this last day. I want to encourage each other to keep going, dear God. And I definitely don't want this world because it is failing and sinking and on a disaster course right now, God. I want to keep my eyes on the prize. And God, that's what the writer of Hebrews was trying to tell us is, 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 is keep your focus on Christ. Keep your focus on Him. That you're getting your focus off of Him and you're wanting to go back to the things of the world. You're wanting to go back to Judaism. You're wanting to go to things that will not last. And so keep your eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. So Father, help us to do that this morning, God. Man, let us leave out of here with a revival. Like Daniel said, we need revival. We need revival, dear God. Man, if the church can't get excited about Jesus, the war nobody else is. God, help us to have, Lord, faith when you come. Will you find faith on the earth? Will you find faith in your people, God? Help us to be a people of faith without faith faith that's impossible to please God. Fill us with your spirit. Fill us with your life. Fill us with the words of God, Lord, and help us to see you, Lord, in all your glory and to live for you. In Jesus' name, speak to our hearts and change our lives today. Amen. I'm sorry, folks. I don't know what to do, man. I, 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 I got to cheerlead myself and I got to cheerlead you and, and, and uh, to keep going. Uh, we're in the book of Hebrews. We've been going through the first seven chapters. And like I said, and the writer was writing this book because Jewish believers were beginning to question. They were going through persecution, Daniel. They were going through difficult times. They were beginning to question, is he the real thing, Mark? Can we trust this Christianity? And that's where they were coming to. They were coming to a place where they're being sawn in two. We read it in Hebrews 11. They're being persecuted. They're losing their homes. They're losing their jobs. They, they've got immense pressure coming upon the church at this time. And Joe, they're wondering, is this real? 
Is this worth going the distance for? Can we continue to trust this? And so, because see, they've got, I mean, listen now, this is the first century. They have got the temple that's still visible. It's still there. They're still going to the temple. So this Judaism is still alive and well. It's still right there. The sacrifices, the temple, all these things, the priesthood are all right there. They're right there in front of their eyes. And now there's, they, are, they have followed this new way called Christianity. And, and all of a sudden now the pressure is coming and they're deciding. They're beginning to walk away from Christianity. They've lost their vision of Christ. And so they begin to walk away. And the writer of Hebrews, God said, I'm going to write a book that is going to show you the centrality of Christ. It's going to show you the revelation of Christ. Because that's what it takes for revival. When your hearts begin to wane, it's because you've gotten away from Christ. The church has gotten away from Christ. It's gotten away from the revelation of Christ. Get a revelation of Christ. Get off of yourself. Get off of focusing on you. Get off of focusing on each other. Get off of focusing on the pastor and what he did and did not do. And focus on Christ. If you see Christ in all of his glory, your heart's going to burn. Amen. It's going to burn with passion and fire. And so, so we're in the so so they, the four categories that we said in the book of Hebrews that 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 they begin to write about because they're going back to Judaism, and so the four categories they begin to write is is that Christ is superior to angels. The, the writer wants the, the 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 Hebrew people right there that are going under persecution understand you've had angels in your religion. You had angels at the at the at the beginning. You had angels at the birth of Christ. You've had angels all the way through your history. And listen, this Jesus is superior to angels. The first couple of chapters, he just keeps writing about, hey, angels are good. Gabriel's fine. All these things are good. They're powerful. They're majestic. They're incredible. But Jesus is better. And he keeps wanting to show them Christ is better. Why would you leave what Christ to go back to this? Why would you go back to something like this? And then he begins to say about Moses because Moses is everything in, in Judaism. Moses is the deliverer. Moses got the commandments. Bro, Moses brings the law. If you do this and obey this, God will bless you. If you don't, God will curse you. He's the man. And so God, and, and the writer of Hebrews doesn't dispute Joseph that he is the man. He doesn't, they don't diminish him to try to make Jesus look better. They build Moses up and say, yeah, he's, he's a great man. He was an incredible man. He was faithful in his house. But Jesus was faithful over his house, which you are if you're in part of the church of Jesus Christ. And so he says he's better than Moses. He's greater than Moses. And then he tells them about the Aaronic priesthood. He's greater than the priesthood that is there. There's, he's, he's out of the priesthood of Melchizedek, an eternal priesthood. That priesthood is made up of men that are sinful. They have to go in and offer a sacrifice for themselves and for their own sin and then it's only good for a year for them and the people and then they have to do it again they may even die before the next year comes and they have to put in another guy in there but you have somebody greater you want to go back to that you want to leave Christianity and Christ and go back to this to this system that is not going to be a lasting it's not eternal it's just a shadow and a copy of the real one and Jesus Christ is the real high priest he's the one that's gone in behind the veil He's the one that has gone in and offered his blood to God. And God has received that. Not that he has to offer it again and again and again and again. No, he offered it one time forever for the sins of the world. And now we can have forgiveness for, for eternity. Amen. And so they said, you want to leave for that? You want to leave Christianity and go back to that? 
And then supremacy, the fourth category of supremacy that we see in this book is supremacy of the new covenant over the old covenant. Why? Why? Jesus has come. Jesus has died. Jesus is buried. Jesus has rose from the dead. And you want to go back? You want to go back to to this? And so that's where we are. These guys are facing persecution. They're questioning, do we have the real thing? They start asking, is it worth it? I mean, they're facing things that they still have the priest. They still have the temple. They still have the sacrifices going on that, that they see that they did before coming to Christ. And now what do they have? Because if somebody was to ask them, where's your temple? Where's your temple? Where's your temple, Daniel? Well, Jesus is the temple, right? Our, our Jesus is the temple, and we're the temple of God, but, but Jesus is the temple over there. And then they say, well, but we don't really have a physical temple anymore. He is our temple. We're in Christ. And then they would begin to maybe somebody to ask them, where's your priest? Because we have a priest. Look at our priest over there in the temple serving God. Where's your priest? Jesus is our priest. And then they begin to be asked things like, well, where's your sacrifice? Where's your sacrifice? All religions have sacrifice. Without the shedding of blood, Amy, there is no forgiveness of sin. Where, if you're a Christian, where is your sacrifice? Jesus is our sacrifice. And so that's what they're dealing with now. And there's this tendency to go back to what they used to do and that they could see and handle and taste and touch. And the ten, to go back to what they knew. Could Jesus really be trusted? Is he worth it? Because my convictions and following him, my views now are getting me in trouble and passed over for job opportunities. Folks, that's what happens in communist nations. And if you didn't know it, you're on the verge of being in a socialist and communist nation. No, you are. Everybody that I go overseas with doesn't say, hey, you need to worry about uh, one day this is coming. They're telling me this is exactly what happened to us. It's on you now. And what happens next is you find out you're a Christian. You don't get the promotion unless you denounce this Christ you're dealing with. Because we don't deal. We don't we don't do that here. And, and so you begin to see that, hey, you want to go to the university? You want your child to excel in this world? Not with Christ. You want your child to excel or Christ? And that's what they're dealing with. That's what we're on the verge of dealing with now in this nation. And and, and the question begins to come to them because they feel the pressure. And many of them say, I'm out of here. I can't, I can't, I don't know. It's it's not worth it. I don't know if it's worth it. Like the guy that you said has been doing all kind of podcasts on Christ for years. And now he says, it's not worth it. I'm done with it. I don't believe in this Christ anymore. I'm done with it. And the many people who exited at COVID, they've been out a year. They've been out two years now from church. And they've come to the conclusion, I don't know if it's worth it. I don't know if the people even really want me to come back to church anyway. I don't know that I even would go back. I don't know that they even care. Don't know if the pastor even cares. Nobody's reached out to me. And so I don't even know if it's even worth it. And that's where we are right now. Where many have walked away. And and now many people even see faith in Jesus as old-fashioned. Well, 
you know, our kids, they're not here. And when they go off to college, they've decided now, hey, uh, I, I don't know about that Christianity. That's kind of old. That's kind of passe. Let's move on, mom and dad. We've moved on without that into the 21st, 20th uh, century. That stuff, I don't know if I believe it. It's probably fake. We live in reality. Let's live in reality of the here and now. Let's live in what we can see here and now, what's real now. And so that's the constant call in the book of Hebrews is to people like that, like we're dealing with today, is if you found, is, is, is you have found the real thing in Jesus. That's what the writer is trying to get us to say. And that's what I'm trying to pound from the pulpit week after week after week is don't leave. You found the real thing. So the constant call in the book is you found the real thing in Christ. He is the true Moses. He is the true high priest. He is the, the true Sabbath or rest. He is. And so if you missed the first seven chapters, which I kind of rehashed right there, but don't worry because chapter 8, you can throw all that out because chapter 8, he says something really, really interesting here in this verse. And look what he says in the very first three words. Now for the main point. So if this is your first day of coming here and hearing this series, now, sorry to the rest of you, now to the main point of what we are saying is this. We do have such a high priest who has sat down at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven, who serves in the sanctuary of the true tabernacle set up by the Lord. You want to go back to that temple on that temple mount in Jerusalem? There's the true tabernacle that's set up. Are you crazy? Set up by the Lord, not by a mere human being. Go ahead. Every high priest is appointed to the offer both gifts and sacrifices. And so it was necessary for this one also to have something to offer. If he were on earth, he would not be a priest for there are already priests who offer the gifts prescribed by the law. Go ahead. They serve at a sanctuary that is a copy. Say copy. And a shadow of what is in heaven. This is why Moses warned when he was about to build the tabernacle. See to it that you make everything according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. Is there more? Can't remember. No. Be sure to show you. So, so did you see what the main thing was here? The main thing, he says, is that we do have a high priest. We do have a high priest. He says the main thing is that you have a high priest. And not only do you have a high priest, Brenda, he has sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. He is in heaven and he sat down. Well, what, what if I were to sit, go right down there and sit down right now? What, what would this, what, you probably would all be glad. I won't do that because I'll freak the cam camera out. If I were to go down there and sit down right there, then I would sit down and y'all would say, well, he's done. He's finished. Praise God. We're going to get to go home on time today and get in the restaurant. But, 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 but that's what Jesus did. When he was finished, the Bible says, he sat down. Listen to what it says. We do have a, such a high priest who sat down at the right hand of the throne of majesty on high. He sat down, folks. He sat down. He finished the work. He's a high. You do. This is the main thing. You have a high priest. And now, you know what? High priests could not go to and sit in, at the right hand of the throne of God unless they're kings as well. Unless 
they're king of kings, unless they're lord of lords, their high priest and their king. That's how he can go and sit down at the right hand of the majesty of the throne on high because he knows he is of a royal lineage. This is the main thing. You have a high priest, part of the human race, that has gone into heaven. He is both king and priest. He's of the royal lineage of God and he is seated right there at the right hand. So why would you leave and go back to anything else? Amen. Hallelujah. You say, well, high priest, that sounds like an old word. What would that have to do with me? What would that have to do with me? Well, what he's saying is everything that you had in the past here, Hebrews, everything you had in the past, he's saying it's just a copy. It's just a shadow. It's just a model of the reality that you have now. And what he's saying is don't get captivated by the imitation. Don't get captivated by the imitation. Follow the real thing. And this is what I'm trying to tell you in this church is follow the real thing. It would be like if we were having a baby dedication next week and somebody had a baby and they brought the baby. Uh, they were coming to bring the baby. They just had the baby. I went and visited the baby in the hospital. But all of a sudden it comes to baby dedication day and they bring this little doll that they had since birth. They bring a little doll and they say, we're going to dedicate this doll. I'd say, how foolish when you have the real thing. And that's what the writer of Hebrews is saying. Why would you want to go and worship there and go back to that? It's just a copy and a shadow of the real thing. It's just an imitation. Run to the real thing. The main thing is you have a high priest. You have a high priest that's entered in. Follow the real thing. You have a history, yes, of the tabernacle. Yes, you have a history of the temple. Yes, these were all great forms and shadow. But the real deal is here. He is dead. He was dead. He is risen. And he's ascended in the heavenly sphere as priest and as king. And he's there at the right hand of the Father. And he sat down, which means, Mark, he's completed the work. He's completed the work of redemption. He sat down at the right hand and only a king could do that. It shows his royal identity as king. The high priest was the focus of hope. He was the focus of hope. You know why he was the focus of hope? Because we just went through Yom Kippur, the real Yom Kippur, just the other day. But thank God we don't have to do that year after year after year. Because, listen, that was the day that the high priest could go in one time, one time every year and make sacrifice for himself and for the people of God. He would stand in between God as a mediator and the people. And he would stand in the gap and, and sacrifice these animals for the sins of mankind and say, God, forgive us of our sins. Forgive us of our iniquity. Forgive us of our trespasses. Let us live another year and record our name in the Lamb's book of life. And on that day, that's what would happen. And when that high priest would come out of that place, he would have something tied around him with bells on just in case he didn't do everything just right and he die in there they could pull him out but he would go in there he would offer it he would sprinkle the blood seven times and do what he had to do in that place and then he would come out and the people would be in their tents at the doors watching and then when he would come out and say it's done it's finished forgiven for another year there would go a shout out of the camp there would just go a hallelujah the song I raise a hallelujah come on they would raise a hallelujah because because they've triumphed for another 
year. Well, folks, we don't have to do that. They would have to do that again. A few days later, they sin and mess up again, and they got to wait another year. But, folks, we have a high priest who went in. He offered it. God accepted it. He sat down, and it's done. It's finished. Amen? That was the focus of their hope. And what he's saying here is the main thing. This is the focus of your hope. This is the focus of your hope. This is what you need to be focused on. You have a high priest. Eternal in the heavens. You have a high priest. That's your source of hope. And, and, and he gained forgiveness for the sins of mankind. He gained forgiveness for you and me. And, 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 the, and that means, and the Bible says of him, we can go to him in our time of need. You can go to him in your time of need. We can go to him any time that we need him, the Bible says. Like having a doctor that saves you from some kind of terrible disease. We can go to him. Like having a judge that can get you out of trouble when you get in trouble and you have a judge that you can call and he can make something happen to get you out. The Bible says we have a high priest in the heaven and he's for us and with us in our time of need. Whatever the situation is. Amen. And so look at what verse 4 says in verse 14. Because of this, therefore, since we have a great high priest who ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith that we profess. Let us hold firmly because of this. The dude didn't keep his eyes on the main thing. We have a high priest, and because of that, let us hold firm. Let us hold unwavering, because our high priest, it doesn't matter what's going on. It doesn't matter what happens. Our faith can't be shaken if we're held by this. Amen? We have one that's gone in behind the veil. He's an anchor. Our hope is anchored in Christ, and Christ alone, who entered in behind the veil, our high priest. And whatever is shaking you, shaking you right now, whatever is being shaken in your life, I don't know what it is, your health, or maybe a parent passing away, or maybe this or that. Whatever is shaking you, you can hold firm to the faith that you have in Jesus Christ. This is real, folks, and you can hang on. He's an anchor to your soul. Amen? Amen. And so the writer is saying, go for the real. Don't go for the other copies. Romans 12, 2, it says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. They were going back to conforming to the pattern of Moses. They were going back to conforming to the pattern of the law. They were going back to conforming to the old high priest system. They were going back to the pattern of this world, which is really the pattern of this world is a life without God. And that's what we see so many like this guy that, that, that Daniel's talking about. I hate to keep referring to him, but so many that used to be in this church that, have, that are going back and conforming to the world system. Folks, let me just stop. I've never seen so many people in Christianity that are afraid. Please stop. I mean, be real. I, I was afraid. I've been afraid. I get afraid. But run to Christ. Please run to Christ. Listen, you know what this is revealing? We just sang about how death is, is lost its sting and how death is not supposed to uh, have any hold on us because of Christ. You know what I see everywhere I look? I see Christians everywhere afraid to die. I do. Everywhere I look, I'm seeing people that are afraid to die when death is, it, it ushers us into eternal life. 
Listen, if that's us, we need to work that out with God and get it worked out. I know what that feels like because I spent my whole life foreboding death. I spent my whole life as a young man begging God. I mean, going to church and saying, God, don't let me die and go to hell. I mean, I had a fear, a fear up until 21, 22. I mean, I had a fear of death, a a, a fear. Man, I was afraid of dying. I mean, I'd ask Jesus into my heart. I was terrified of dying terrified and I would go home every night panic God forgive me of my sins if I if I mess up today if I if I took one pencil out of the out of the holder and somebody else's please forgive me and don't let me die and go to hell I mean I was that terrified that just even if I made a mistake I was going to die and go to hell and folks I'm gonna tell you what Jesus Christ has settled that issue in my heart Jesus Christ has settled that for once and for all his righteous blood has forgiven me he has changed me he's transformed me he's given me a new heart a new mind and a new spirit and folks I don't have to fear I don't have to fear death perfect love has cast out all fear amen now, I haven't faced it yet, and I'm sure when it really comes, it's going to be a pretty uh, a thing that only you can go alone and, and walk that door through. But I know my Lord's going to be with me. Yeah. And he says, don't go conforming to the pattern of the... And you know what? That's keeping us from witnessing. And that's keeping us from praying for healing for people. And that's, that's keeping us from doing what Diane's doing and going into a hospital, even when they don't want to let her in the hospital and demanding she be able to go in the hospital to see a man and lead him to the Lord before he dies. Amen. Isn't that what the church is supposed to do? Yeah. Aren't we supposed to go like people that got on a ship, kissed their little family goodbye and went into the nation of Haiti or went to the nation of Africa and said, son, daughter, I'll never see you again on this side of eternity, but I'm going to tell the world about our Savior Jesus Christ so they don't die and go to hell. I might catch malaria. I might die on the mission field, but I'm going because Christ saved me and he needs to save the world. Where is that in the church? We're afraid to walk, to, but there's 106,000 in the stadium last night screaming to, to high heavens. Right? And nobody cared what they were doing, screaming like crazy, but you gather a few together in the church, and we're going to have a come apart about people gathering together. And what is the pattern of the world? Well, it's a life without God. The, the world is a mess, folks. The world is a mess. A life without God is a mess. And, and, and we have a high priest, the Bible says, and that's where our focus needs to be. So the first thing that he writes is knowing who God is. And the second thing he writes to these people is telling them what he's done. The first thing is we have a high priest. The second thing is he wants to tell you what he's done. And if you find that in verses 6 through 13, look at it. But in fact, the ministry Jesus has received is as superior to theirs as the covenant of which he is 
the mediator is a superior to the old one since the new covenant is established on better promises. Look at the next verse. For if there had been nothing wrong with the first covenant, no place would have been sought for another. But God found fault with the people and said, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will be not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they did not remain faithful to my covenant. And I turned away from them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant that I will establish with the people of Israel. After that time, declares the Lord, I will put my laws in their minds and I will write them on their hearts and I will be their God and they will be my people. Hallelujah. That's the new covenant that he's writing about. And here in this chapter is more references than any other on this in the New Testament. And it's absolutely phenomenal. Listen to what the definition of a covenant is. It is a relationship between two parties involving permanent and serious commitment to a faithful, loyal love, obedience, and trust. So at the heart of covenant relationship, at the heart of covenant is relationship. That's at the core, is that God wants a relationship with his people. He's been the people he wants to bind us together with him and bind us together with each other in a permanent serious commitment of faithful love, obedience and trust. That's exactly what he's done. And he says in these passages the new covenant has come to replace the old covenant. In the old covenant they're referring to right here even though we went over all seven covenants earlier in the year of the seven major covenants that we see in scripture. The one he's writing about here he refers to is found in Exodus 34, 27. And it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Write down these words, for in accordance with these words, I have made a covenant with you and with Israel. And he, Moses was there with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights without eating bread and drinking water. And he wrote on the tables of the words of the covenant of the Ten Commandments. And what he says here is he wrote these words on those Ten Commandments. And you remember what happened. Before they came down off the mountain, they had literally broken. I mean, he's got that fresh covenant with those words written, those Ten Commandments on that, that table of stone. And before Moses can get down, he's gone up 40 days, 40 nights. The people are waiting there and they're waiting on Moses to come back down. They get impatient. And what do they do? They begin to craft a golden calf. They begin to dance around that golden calf and convert around that golden calf, doing all sorts of wicked things. And when Moses comes down on day one of him coming down, he sees this madness going on, which shows the hardness of their heart and the unbelief that is going on and the unfaithfulness that was there all the way in the beginning. And that's the condition, folks, of the human heart. We've been unfaithful all the way back to the beginning with Adam. We've been unfaithful to God. And we see this in the time of Jeremiah when Jeremiah's writing about the new covenant. He, he tells of a time in, that, in the book of Jeremiah where the law had been lost even. They just they got so careless they didn't even care about the law of God and they lost the law of God for a time. I dare to say we really have not really cared a lot about the law of God in this generation either. It sits on our chairs. It sits on I have books galore in my library and sadly there's days that go by and I, and I fail to, to hunger and thirst for the law of God like I should. And, and so that's what's taking place in Jer 
Jeremiah's day is that they've neglected the Word of God. They've lost the Word of God. And all of a sudden, a guy finds the law of God, Hilkiah. He finds the law of God. He brings it to the king, King Josiah. Josiah takes the law of God. He's just flabbergasted. He reads the Word of God and he begins to see the condition of their hearts that the people are so far from God. They're so unfaithful to God. They've gotten so far away from what the book says and, and, and so far away from that. And so all of a sudden he begins to read it and they all say, man, we, we agree. We're far from that. And, and Josiah takes a pledge to follow it. And the people say, yes, we're behind you. We take a pledge to follow it. But the sad part is within 24 years, it was over. And judgment came, and they had, they had forgotten that because of the hardness of their heart. And so I say all that to say, what is the solution for that? What is the solution for the hardness of the heart? Well, thank God the writer of Hebrews gives us the solution for that. He says a day is coming. A day is coming and has now come when we have a new covenant, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel, and I'll make a covenant. And, and three things I want to show you in closing of where he makes this covenant. And number one is this. The first covenant promise that he says here is that the person of God is in us now. See, before you had a hardness of heart, you couldn't follow God. You couldn't keep it. You couldn't do it. But now in the new covenant, there's a new day coming, Mark. And I'm going to do something that's going to cause you to change. And it's going to cause me to change. And it's going to cause the world to change. And I'm going to cause something where God is going to be able to come and be in us. And here's what he writes. I will put my Torah. That's what he's really saying. I will put my Torah in their hearts. I will put my law in their hearts and in their inner parts and I will write them on their hearts and I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws and I will put my spirit in you and you will live what he's saying is the Torah was the reflection of God's character. I will put my Torah in you. I will put my laws in you. I will put the, the, this recognition of who He is inside of you. And it's a reflection of His character. Now people, the world will see Christ in us. God will live in you, folks. He will come and live and abide in you. And I'll put my spirit in you. In other words, the personality of God will come and live in you and move in you and have their being in you. He'll move out of you and through you. This is the covenant promise. My presence will be in you. My presence will come and be in you. The very presence of God will come. The person of the Holy Spirit. The Torah brought conviction. Well, so did the Spirit of God. The Torah called people to love God. Well, so did the Spirit of God. The Torah taught people to be led and guided into all truths. Well, so did the Spirit of God led people into all truths. But the Torah led to death. And when the Spirit comes... It'll lead to life. Amen. Amen. You go to Acts 2, and we see this fulfilled in Acts 2. You see what happens when, when all of a sudden they're gathered in an upper room. They're waiting, and our high priest goes into heaven. He offers his blood. He's now the high priest of heaven. He sits down at the right hand of the majesty on high. He is there as high priest. He's there as king there now. And all of a sudden, he, he's been accepted. And he says, wait for the promise of the Father, and I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters in that day will prophesy. 
prophesy. Your sons and your daughters, your old men and your young men will dream dreams and see visions. And I will pour out my spirit on everyone in that day. And they'll prophesy and they'll do all sorts of things. And anyone who calls on the name of the Lord in that day will be saved. And when he says at the beginning of that, when Peter's preaching of that, he says, this is that. This is that which was prophesied by by Joel. This is that which was promised a long time ago in the old covenant that was coming. This is that which was prophesied way back when with Jeremiah, with Ezekiel. This is that that you're now seeing when God's Word is going to come and be inside of you. The character of God, the reflection of God, the personality of God, and the Spirit of God is going to live inside of you and move inside of you. This is that, and you will know intimacy with me. There will be a knowledge of me because that's what it says. He says, they will know me. They will know me, folks. And we have that opportunity now to know him, not just know about him, but we know him now. Do you understand that? You know God because of the new covenant. There's an intimate knowledge of me. Amen. That's like that song and we're going to play it at the end. But the, the song, I love that song that came out at the beginning of COVID. Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you. But then it comes to a place that it says about, uh, and be patient with you. And then it talks about a place where it says, he's behind me and before me and beside me and he's with me. But what we can sing even greater, and he's in me and he's in me and he's in me and he's in me and he's in me. Because of the new covenant, he's in you now. He is in you. And you got to grasp this. And that's what the writer is saying, is understand that God is in you now. He's in you. You couldn't do this before, but now He's in you. He lives in you. The second thing about this great new covenant is we have the people of God, number two. It says, I will be their God and they will be my people. He says, I'm creating a people. And that's why you got to get back out of your homes and into church. Because, folks, you have this tendency to want to say, I'll just serve God by myself. But God is saying, I've got a body and I've got a people and I'm creating. We think it's just God and me. But God says, no, I'm creating a people. I'm creating a people and you're joined together. I'm calling you to bind yourself with me and to bind yourself with each other. I'm calling you to be bound. I am creating a people. Amen. It's called the people of God. And God is calling us to be bound. And we have this consumer mentality in the church world. And God is calling us to have a covenant mentality. He's calling us into community. God loves this. God loves His people to be together. God loves His people to meet. Whether it's here, whether it's in homes, whether it's at, at, a, at a lunch together with a believer or a few believers, whether it's at a women's Bible study, whether it's at a sunshine group being there together laughing in fellowship, God has a people. And that's what He's saying in His covenant is that I will come and live inside of them. This is what's going to solve the problem of the hardness of your heart. I will come in that day. I'll live in them. I'll be their people. I'll be 
in them. And, I, and, and I'm going to create a people in this covenant too, in this covenant relationship. And they're called the people of God. And then the third and last thing he says is that the everlasting pardon of God will be for you. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. And the wickedness there is the word hata, and it means to miss the mark. It's the word spoken of mostly in the Bible about sin, and it means to miss the mark. It means to fall short. And he's saying, I will forgive them in that day of all their wickedness. I will forgive them of missing the mark, folks. And the next word there, the second most used word is a wand, and it's iniquity or guilt. And he's saying, I will forgive you. I will forgive you the two biggest things things about missing up and sin and darkness and self-centeredness and idolatry and deceitfulness. He's saying, I will deal with these things and I will, and I will remember them. He says, no more, no more, no more in this passage of scripture. No more. Well, this is, and what he's saying there is this is permanent. This is permanent. It's forever. This covenant is not going to pass away or fade away. It is forever. This is my covenant that I'm establishing. And the forgiveness is not going to be a one-time thing. It's going to be forever. It's like Corey Tim Boom wrote one time. She said, at the cross, Jesus took our sins at the cross. He's cast them into the sea of forgetfulness. And then he put a sign there that said, no fishing. No fishing. No fishing. Don't go fishing your sins back out. And don't don't go fishing each other's sins back out. Amen. Hallelujah. Sins are no more in God. And look at the last slide here. The last slide. This is what they were going back to. I know I struggle with that. It's been a few weeks of oh, intense mental battles with, with lots going on. But here, here's what they were doing in the book of Hebrews. You see Moses there. And they, they were having this tendency to look back, look back at Moses and look back at the shadow and look back at the type and look back at the, at the, at the copy. And if you look at the greater picture, he's saying you have Christ who has died, who is buried, who's ascended into heaven. Why would you go for the copy when you have the real? Why would you turn back to be conformed to the things of this world when you can be conformed to Christ? Don't do it. Don't do it. Focus on the real thing. And that's what I want to tell you to do. Listen, healing is temporary. If you get healed here for another five years, Harlan, you just got healed, brother. And I am so thankful, man. We prayed for you. It's a miracle. Miracle. You know that God raised Harlan up and kept him alive. But guess what? He, he, you know what? He, he's gonna, if we live long enough, Harlan, and I'm going to die. You're going to die one day. You know what? We're going to die if we live on this earth. It's temporary. But you know what? In heaven, we're eternally going to live. Your precious Anna is living forever right now. Amen. She's living forever. It's eternal. Why settle for the copy when there's the real? Amen. Why settle for the copy? Set your heart on things with the, which are above. So what if your house gets taken here? So what if the job gets taken here? So what if the economy implodes? So what if this Christmas we don't have items because they're all sitting off on a ship somewhere? Who gives a rip? It's just a temporal thing compared to the eternal thing. Set your heart on things above. Store up treasure in heaven. Amen. It's all temporary. And he's saying, focus on the real. You want to leave for what's temporary? You want to leave God because you didn't get a healing here? You want to leave God because you lost something here? 
Get your eye on the real. This is all just, this isn't, this isn't the real. Set your heart on eternal, on what's eternal. And, uh, and so what's eternal? Stand on the promises of God. The presence of God is in you. We are the people of God, and we have an everlasting pardon. And that's what I want you to grasp, those three things today. In all my rambling and mumbling, don't feel like I did such a great job today, but in all my rum, getting around those things, I want you to stand on these covenant promises right here, is that you, the presence of God is with you. The people of God are given to us now. And the pardon of God. You are forgiven, not just once a year, but you are forgiven forever. Amen. Father, we love you. We thank you, God, that all who put their faith and trust in you, God, have eternal life, God. I'm so grateful, God. Lord, the writer of Hebrews is trying to get people who are leaving Christianity, who are beginning to doubt, is what I believe all my life really real? Is it really worth it? Is it really worth it to continue going to church? Is it really worth it continuing to follow this Nazarene? Is it really worth it to continue on the journey? And God, the writer is writing here to say, it's worth it. Jesus is superior. Jesus is supreme. Jesus is the heir of everything. Jesus is the creator of the world. Jesus is the eternal high priest. Why are you going back to a copy? Why are you going back to something temporal when you have the real, when you have the real thing? And God, that's what we want to say to people here, God, is don't let people settle, God, when there is the real thing. And God, it's amazing what you said. And here is the main thing, is we have a high priest, and he's eternal in the heaven, and he's sat down, and he's implemented the new covenant and not, not like the old covenant but a new one that's superior to the old and the old one's been gone away and now the new one has come and the new one now gives us forgiveness of sin the new one now gives us eternal life the new one now gives us pardon the new one now God is so wonderful and it's secured in the heavens for us God why would we leave to go back to anything less God Lord we thank you for this we thank you for it we praise you for it in Jesus name and God because of it you now live in me God I have the God of heaven living inside of me he goes before me and behind me and beside me but he's in me he is in me God and let somebody get the revelation of that we're not going under because he's in us today Christ in me the hope of glory the spirit lives in me the Torah the law the character of Christ is now written on my heart the personality of Christ is in me through the Holy Spirit now living in me conforming me transforming me into the image of God changing me God by the grace of God and I'm so grateful for that and we just praise you for it in Jesus name